for what God is going to do. Amen. John 17, verses 11, and let's see if we can get all the way to the 19th verse this time. The word of God reads, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. I have guarded them, and now, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Amen. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And then he says this again. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And moving forward, as you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Amen. I'm going to speak to you today from the title, very simple, Refocus. Refocus. Amen. Here's something to think about. No matter where you are in life right now, whether you are rich whether you are poor, whether you are healthy, whether you are sick, whether you are famous or unknown, whether you have lots of friends or you're lonely, whether you are married or you're single, whether you have a house full of kids, whether you have never had kids, ain't going to have kids. <laughs> Everyone has to face this one simple fact. In every category, no matter where you place yourself, we have to eventually face the fact that Jesus is coming back again. Amen? And all the things that we think are so important will fade away because of that one truth. Those things that are so important to us will become nothing in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back again. There will eventually be only two categories. Amen? Those who have believed and trusted in Jesus Christ, and that trust and that truth will produce an increasing obedience to him, and those who didn't believe in him and rejected him and did not obey him. Those are two categories, those who believed and those who did not believe, those who obeyed and those who did not obey, those who received him and those who rejected him. All the other titles that we put on ourselves won't really matter. Amen? And this week alone, I've heard from several people that I love 
folks that are close to me, that are going through some really tough times. Amen? Folks are dying. People are getting fired. Folks are getting divorced, been married decades, getting divorced. Folks that, you know, drove out of their house and, you know, from their street, got out of their car, got in their car and drove down the street, get into an accident. Just things have just been happening. This has been a rather trying week. And all of those people are believers that I talk to. God will sometimes allow pain and disappointment to zap his children back into the reality that our focus must remain on the return of Jesus Christ, our King, and our focus must not be on the things of this world. Amen? The comforts of this world. Amen? Now, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus came, as I said to you weeks before, that we may have life, and life more abundantly. The opposite of this life that Jesus came to give us is what's been stressing a lot of us out. Okay? We strive to obtain, but we are never satisfied. Most of us will never have what this world is promising us. Okay? It's like the lottery. One person wins, and everybody else wastes their, try their time trying to win. <laughs> Amen? Few people will win, but everybody else will be chasing after that one win. Amen? But even the person who wins finds out that they're not even satisfied. Amen? Without Jesus Christ in our lives, we will be tricked into straining and stressing to get something that will never, ever satisfy us. That's the truth. Jesus died not only to give us eternal life later, but eternal life and eternal life thinking now. Amen? By making the believers aware that we are in a relationship with the Holy Trinity that has the power not only to satisfy but also to free us and keep us, amen, until we leave this place and come back to this place with Jesus Christ, our reigning king, in paradise and perfection for all eternity. That is the truth. The truth is, it's not just eternal life later. It's an eternal life mindset now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A mindset that says, I am in relationship with the almighty God right now. And that relationship is bringing me the truth, the joy, and the satisfaction that this world could never, ever give us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. So, let's just briefly review and then see if we can get down to the 19th verse today. Jesus says... I'm no longer in this world, verse 11. But they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, or keep them by your power, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Okay. So what he's saying here, saints, Jesus is praying to the Father, keep them by your power, and empower them to be one 
as we are one, or empower them to be just like we are. Mm. While I was with them, verse 12 says, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, not only, uh, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So the last week we learned that right before Jesus left this planet, he prayed to his father that you and I would be kept. He prayed that the disciples would be kept. He prayed that the people that were belonging to the father would be kept by his power. Amen? And I said to you last week, we're not the ones keeping us. It is the heavenly father that is keeping us by his power. Amen? Amen. Now let's go a little bit deeper. But we are kept from what? And for what purpose? Not just one relationship or oneness, make them one as we are one. Not just in relationships, like I said a few weeks ago, um, where we mimic the Trinity, where there is unity between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not just oneness in our obedience, God, or in morality, where we live holy. Amen? Where we duplicate the obedience from Christ to his Father, and we don't end up like Judas. Remember? Amen? But also, and I said it to you last week, I gave you a hint, oneness in mission, oneness in purpose, make them one even as we are one, oneness in purpose, oneness in why we are here. And verse 13 says this, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have their joy fulfilled in themselves. Still, still just going through some review. Okay, so basically... I obeyed God the Father because of the truth that I know and the joy that it produces in me. You remember? Amen. So it's the truth that I am taking in and the joy that I get from knowing the truth that causes me to obey the Heavenly Father. Amen. And whatever he commands. And then verse 14 says this. I have given them your word. So it's the gospel that produces the joy in the believer, and the joy is fulfilled in how we live in obedience to the Father. And the believer believes the commands of God, receives the commands of God, obeys the commands of God, and the, the, the commands of God are not burdensome to, they're not burdensome to us, as the Word of God says. So basically what's happening is I read the Word, I receive that Word, I get joy Amen? About what God has done and what he's promised me. And that causes me to walk in obedience to God and not be like, ah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The believer should be happy to obey their father. Amen. Amen. There ought to be some joy in obeying the father considering what he's given us. Amen? All right. Verse 14. I have given them your word, your truth, and the world has hated them. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, here's the truth. Saints, we were never going to fit in. We were never going to fit in. Take your eyes off your neighbor's stuff. (laughs) Take your eyes off of their life and what 
The world is offering them. We were never going to fit in. We're not of this world. Why? Jesus says, just as I am not of this world. John 15, 18 through 21 says this. It's like basically the world is hating them or hating us because of who? Because of Jesus Christ. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, as a, a servant is not greater than its master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on the account of my name because they know not him who sent me. Christians are in an intimate relationship with God. And that relationship is only growing deeper and deeper and deeper as we grow. Because we know the Father. The Father has sent his Holy Spirit to us to reveal more of who he is. Amen. Amen. He is a self-revealing God. So just as that baby is born and grows into maturity, the believer, when we are born again, we grow into more knowledge of him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we're not like the world. In other words, the world is going in one direction, and we are going in a completely opposite direction. As we continue to grow in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit gives us more knowledge of the Father. Amen? And this is going to be this way from now on. If you're born again, you're not going back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a lot of preaching going on today talking about, you know, the stresses, uh, you know, that, that we're going through and the reason why we have haters. <laughs> yeah, I got haters. And the reason why I have haters is because uh, of how wonderful I am and how talented I am. Because, you know, there's just something about me that everybody just can't handle. You know, I, I have greatness on me. You just can't handle my greatness. So you have haters because of what's coming to me and, or what's coming to you and how wonderful you're about to be. And after you have your divine meeting with the top 1% of this world, uh, of this country, and they usher you into your you know, incredible life that you're about to have, um, where your life is so much better than everybody else's, that's the reason why you have haters. It's because you're two seconds become, from becoming most wonderful. That's what a lot of people are preaching. I have haters because I'm most wonderful. <laughs> and you just can't handle everything that's coming to me. So that's why we have haters. No, no, no. The reason why the believers are hated is because of the fact that God is not interested in inflating our egos anymore. The reason why the believers have hatred towards us is because of who's living inside of us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Very simple. The reason why we will have persecution is because they persecuted Jesus first. Huh? Jesus said the world hates us because they hated him first. Amen? So you will experience persecution. You will experience the wrath from the world because of who's living inside of you. They hated Jesus, so they will hate you. They hate who lives inside of you. Don't be surprised when your employers don't get along with you. 
Don't be surprised when your family members don't get along with you. Don't be surprised when your neighbors don't get along with you. Don't be surprised when your, 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 your children may not get along with you. Why? Because some of them are not like us because we are in Christ and not in the world. They don't like you because you belong to God and not this world. And Satan is the enemy of your soul. And the whole world lies in the lap of the evil one, which means that Jesus prayed that they will be protected from the evil one and those who are enslaved to do his bidding. So what are you saying, Pastor? If you go back up to that verse again, um, verse 14 no, no, verse uh, 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, and I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And in verse 13, I'm coming to you, and I speak these things that they may be fulfilled in them. I have given them your word, in verse 14 it says, and they have hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. So what we are expecting here is trials, tribulation, hatred, simply because... We have a new master. We have a new direction. There's someone that's living in us that is not living in the world. Very simple. You got that? All right. Now, here's where it changes. John 17, 15. He says this twice. I don't ask you to take them out of the world. John 17, 15, yes. But that you keep them from the evil one. And then 16 says, they are not of this world just as I am not of the world. He said this twice, and I don't believe Jesus is just saying it because he's repeating himself. Now that you are saved, the Holy Spirit will point you in a completely different direction. And that direction is opposite of this world. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying there are things now that the Holy Spirit puts inside of the believer that are opposite of anything you've ever wanted before, anything that the world has to offer, anything that you, that you could ever desire. It's, it's changed. It's changed. There, there are things that I used to think, if I just get this, I'll be satisfied. If I could just get my hands on that, I'll be satisfied. What I'm saying to you is when you get saved, God begins to put different things in you. What are you saying, Pastor? Psalm 37, 4 says it best. And we know this scripture. But I want to I I challenge you this morning to kind of step outside of your, your prayer list and what you would naturally want and see what God is really doing here. Psalm 37, 4 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The word says that if you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. Not just what you should now desire for yourself. That's what I said before. But hear the saints, but also for what he actually wants you to desire that has nothing to do with you. Ugh. There are things that I pray for and say, Lord, I want you to give me this and give me that. And eventually the Lord says, no, no, I want these things for you. But there's another level to the saints where God is saying, you know what? I'm going to get you to desire things that are not even on your list. 
that have nothing to do with you. I'm going to give you desires of your heart that have everything to do with what I want for my own glory that have nothing to do with you. The believer is maturing to the point to where we're starting to understand, wait a minute, it ain't even about me. It's about what you want, God. It's about your glory. And maybe one of the reasons why I'm so dissatisfied in my life is because I have been made to glorify you when the truth of the matter is I'm actually thinking about praying for and asking for things that would only glorify me. Okay. Okay. Not just what you should desire for yourself, but also what he actually wants you to start desiring. Are you hearing me? Verse, okay, let's go a little deeper. John 15 and 4. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you remember when Moses was on the Mount Sinai and he was spending all his time with God to the point to where his face, when he came down, his face was glowing. The glory was on him. Something was different about him spending time in the presence of God that was different than the, the camp below who began to worship the golden calf. Do you, Pastor Rick is remembering. There's something about being in the presence of God that changes your desires. Where you don't want what you think is so important anymore, you want what God wants. And you begin to get satisfied over what he's asking you to do for his kingdom, not just for you and your earthly possession or your earthly comforts. Somebody back there is getting, I'm trying to tell you, this is an unselfish move that God is doing in us. Where you begin to consecrate yourself to the point to where you begin to hear what God wants and not what you want. Lord, I'm having a hard time, but what do you want me to focus on today? I want you to focus on what I want you to do, what I think your life is about, what I made you to do. What I want, how am I going to get the glory out of you if your mind is only on you? Oh, okay. I'm trying to preach, Lord. I'm trying, Lord. When he came down, his face was different. People could tell there was something different. And the world had to back up. <laughs> they couldn't take what they were seeing. So the issue I'm trying to say to you is when you get into the presence of God, he's going to give you different desires that the world is not going to agree with. Amen? It's not going to agree with you. That's what's going to happen. So back to John 17, 17. Let me tie this all together. Here we go. This is where we left off. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. To sanctify means to set apart. The word of God has a sanctifying effect on believers. As they read it, they obey it. They are set apart as vessels suitable for the master's use. That is exactly what the Lord Jesus was praying for here. Father, keep them by the power of your name. Sanctify them. 
They're not of the world, just like I'm not of this world. He wanted people who were set apart to God from the world so they would be usable by God. And the mechanism that he's using for them to be set apart is the truth. Do you see it? Sanctify them in the truth or by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, let's look at this in context. If you can take me back one more verse and then go back into 17, let's go to 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth, verse 17. Your word is truth. And then verse 18 says this, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Sanctify them by the truth. And as you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. I'm sending the disciples into the world just like you sent me, Father, into the world. I'm sending those who are believers into the world just like you sent me into the world. Are you getting it? And then verse 19 says, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in the truth. So what's happening here? Jesus is the one whom the Father set apart and sanctified. The word is hagiozo. Yes. He sent Jesus as his very own into the world, and the Father reserved the Son for his own purposes to be one with him in the mission. Jesus is one with his Father in the mission. Jesus is wanting you and I to be one with him in the mission. Are you seeing it now? Don't worry about that. Otherwise put, the Son sanctified himself, set himself apart, so he would do whatever the Father assigned for him to do. Now he prays, sanctify the disciples so that they will do whatever you have assigned for them to do. The mission is very simple, saints. Sanctification here means to be set apart to be used by God, not just be holy and do nothing. Sanctify means here, not just go to church and fill up on word and do nothing. Sanctify here means sit, consecrated, and sent out to do the Father's will. Let me restate it, because this is a hard one, because this doesn't mean you're going to get a Mercedes. Okay? The Father sent Jesus and set him apart to save those by dying on the cross for their sins. Now, Jesus sets apart his disciples to go and preach the gospel. 
and participate in the saving of souls. No different than what the Father did for Jesus, Jesus is now doing for us. Are you getting that? Okay. Now, we have a divine part in this that we play. And our part is this. Sanctify them by, their, by the truth. Your word is true. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying very simply this. If you're going to be satisfied in your actual purpose for being on this planet and you are not in the word and transforming and becoming more like Jesus, then you are useless. Did you get that? Because the only mechanism that Jesus prayed for to cause us to be like him and do and be one with the Father, the only mechanism that he had provided for us to be that way is the truth. The word is truth. As we consume a steady diet of the word in our lives, the word will change you. We will have new desires, not because God snapped his fingers and put obedience juice on top of us. We will have new desires because we are actively participating in our transformation process by taking in the word of God. Somebody's getting it. We get to participate with God in our own transformation. All right? As we read the word, you begin to change. And God is saying to us through this word that that is our defense mechanism against the world. If I am too busy trying to be like Jesus by reading his word and transforming, something's going to happen on the inside of me to where Satan will try certain things, but it will be to no avail. I can be tempted by certain things, but if I have a balance of the word, if I have a steady diet of the word in me, it's going to keep me busy doing the things of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And here's the big thing, people, that I want you to see. Whether you recognize it or not, this is the key to our own satisfaction. I will never be happy doing something that's out of the will of God. I may feel like it for a minute, like this is cool for a minute, but the truth of the matter is, if I'm not doing what I'm created to do, I'm never going to be satisfied. Ah. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick. <laughs> he's getting it. Now, here's what I want to say to you, saints. Before we become legalistic and say, okay, now I got to read 200 scriptures a day. <laughs> before I can be used by God. That's not what he's saying. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. It's not necessarily when we talk about scripture and memory. See, here's the thing, saints. The disciples didn't have all that. They knew some New Testament scriptures, and the Holy Spirit brought some, new, I mean, some Old Testament scriptures, rather, to their memory, but they didn't have a ton of revelation when they got started. No, they didn't know that. They grew. You grow as you go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When, 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 
when the disciples, when the, when the Israelites were at the, at the, trying to cross the River Jordan, right? And they're trying to figure out how they're going to get across. Huh? What they did first is they put their foot in the water. And then the waters parted. Are you hear what I'm saying? So what I'm telling you, saints, is some of us get caught up with evangelism and feel like we're not ready because we won't ever get ready because we don't ever decide to do anything. We never decided to just go ahead and go with what we got. Are you hearing me? We intimidate ourselves out of the will of God, out of satisfaction in the glory of God and what he's glorified us to do or called us to do. How? Because we intimidate ourselves saying, well, I don't know enough, I don't do enough, I don't... I don't understand enough. I'm not saying you don't have to be trained. I'm just saying that there are people out there who just say, you know what? I'm saved. I'm set free. Do you remember the man who was, um, who Peter said, you know, he was, he was lame and he was at the front of the, of, of the, of the temple at the pool, right? And he couldn't move. And, 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 and Jesus, uh, Peter walked up and said, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That man got up after that situation, leaping for joy, and the Pharisees kept asking him questions about, you know, who did this and whatever happened. He just said, you know what? I can't give you a bunch of theology. All I know is I'm walking. All I know is I'm getting up and doing what God has called me to do. I'm testifying with whatever God has given me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of us trick ourselves and, and psych ourselves out when the truth is, is there's something that God has called you to do with your time here. And we try to get satisfied in all these other things. You will never be satisfied outside of what God has called you to do. You will never. And so sometimes what the Lord does is he allows tough times and situations to shake us back into the reality. Hey, it ain't about what you think it's about. What is it about, Lord? I saved you for a reason. You have the truth in you. What is the truth? The truth is very simple. Here it is. Give me John um, 8.31. Help me, Holy Spirit. John 8.31-34. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then verse 32 says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth that Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. The truth that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. The truth that Jesus Christ paid for sins. The truth that sets you free is Jesus Christ. The truth is that Jesus Christ is the image of God. These are very simple things. Amen? They're not very complex, but we're walking around with the truth. The question is, is what are we doing with it? Hmm? 2 Timothy 2, 25 to 26 says this. Correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to and knowledge of the what? Truth. And verse 26, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured to do his will. 
in this context, the truth is really the gospel, that Jesus came to save sinners. This is why the world hates us. This is why we're not a part of this world. Because the truth is, is we're carrying something that is proven I belong to God. This truth, this revelation of who Jesus Christ is, that is the gospel. That is what we are believing. That's the reason why the world doesn't like us. Amen? The truth that everybody needs to hear is that there has been a Savior that has been provided, and Jesus Christ is his son. This is that truth. This is what Satan doesn't want you to believe or anybody else to believe. Amen? Because believing this truth will make you free. Amen? Free from what? This world system. This system that says, I will be satisfied after I get, get, get. Have, have, have. Achieve, achieve, achieve. Amen? I'm just waiting for everybody to hate me so I can because I'm wonderful. Because <laughs> I got it like that. And you're still empty. Why? Because you're saved for a purpose. And that purpose is to tell the truth to everybody you know. And you will never find satisfaction, true satisfaction, outside of that. It's not a popular saying because everything in us wants to chase the world. But the truth that makes us free is this gospel that says, I am no longer under the control of Satan. I am now free from this world system. I have the power within me, not because of how wonderful I am, but the power within me to do the will of God. And finding myself doing the will of God will eventually, as I grow in the word, bring me more and more and more joy. I know people, and I've been around people that, quote, unquote, have it all. I was raised around that stuff. And I saw where a lot of them ended up. Most of them are miserable. They had what we would say is everything. Everything but Jesus. The sad thing is the folks with Jesus were so busy looking at their stuff and coveting the world that we're missing out on what we already have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. As you sent me into the world, verse 18 says, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in the truth. Here's the truth. And I've read it to you before. We don't even have to turn to it. But you can put it on the screen. Colossians 3, 1 and 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. You hear? For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you shall also you will also appear with him, in, with him in glory. If we have been raised with Christ, we should be thinking with raised thinking. Are you hearing me? What is life about now that you are saved? Hmm? Is it about the same things that 
It was about before you got saved? If that's the case, what did he save you from? Hmm? That doesn't make any sense. 2 Timothy 2 and 4 says this. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And what's wrong with the church? Deciding where we're going to go based on what the church can do for us and how I'm going to get to my next level of lifestyle, whatever it is. Isn't that what it's about? I know folks who are joining churches because they just want to network. Take me to the next level so I can have my this and have my that. When Jesus is saying through Paul to Timothy, listen, don't get entangled in this world. I did not enlist you into the world. I enlisted you into the kingdom. And you will never be satisfied with the world. You will only be satisfied when you find yourself doing what I created you to do. Glorify God. That's the key, saints. Otherwise, we're just going to go around in circles. I'll get something and be dissatisfied. I'll get another something and be dissatisfied. I'll get somebody else and be dissatisfied. I'll get married and then get divorced and get married and then get divorced. I'll get... Huh? Think about it. I'll get this car and then I'll smash it. I'll get this car and then I'll be tired of it. I'll get... It's the same thing as the world system. I'll get a promotion and then think I need to be promoted again. I want more. That's the problem. That's the rat race. He says, do not get entangled in this world. I did not enlist you into that. Could you imagine being a, 500, a, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company? And you got millions of dollars at your disposal. And you got this employee named Mr. Jackson. Mr. Jackson is not performing like he should. Mr. Jackson is not following company protocol. Mr. Jackson uses the time that he's supposed to be at work <laughs> doing all kinds of other things. Mr. Jackson is on Amazon and <laughs> watching BET awards and chasing after this and chasing after that. He's on his post and not working. Chasing after everything. I've employed you to do a certain thing. And you just will not do it. Every time I come by your desk, you're doing something completely different. What you doing, Mr. Jackson? Oh, I'm on Facebook talking to my friends. But Mr. Jackson, I have employed you for a certain reason. I called you to do a certain thing. You got this job to do the job. What are you doing? Not what, I, not what you want me to do. I have other things that I'm focused on right now, Mr. CEO. Now, you and me owning that company, after a while, what will we do? Well, Mr. Jackson, here's your pink slip. God bless you, but pack your stuff and get up out. We're going to get somebody else in here 
who's going to do the job. That's how we would do it, but not Jesus. Jesus looks at you and me and everything that we do with his time, his life, his breath, his resources, his energy, huh? The, the right mind of Christ that we're supposed to have, all of that. And he says, you know what? Get up again. I'm not giving you, I'm not quitting on you. I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to send some word. You're going to look down in John 17 and see, wait a minute. They are not of this world, just like I'm not of this world. Just like I sent Jesus, Jesus is sending you. And what are we supposed to do? Tell your cousins. Tell your neighbors. Tell your children. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I was going to hell. But Jesus saved my life. And he's given me another chance. And no, I don't know every scripture there is to know. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I was on my way to hell. And Jesus said, no, you belong to God, not that one. And I came here to tell you that if you would trust in Jesus, you can be saved too. That's why you're still here. Now get off Amazon and tell somebody the truth. And here's the thing, saints. A lot of churches won't tell that to you because it's easier to build a me-centered church than it is to build a him-centered church. Whoa. Folks, as I put, on my, I put it on Facebook a couple days ago, some folks are more interested in filling the seats than filling people's lives with Jesus. That's the difference. Are you hearing me? That's the difference. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What does that, what does that mean? It means it's the truth of the relationship that you're in with Jesus now. Hmm? It's the truth of who he is. The truth that Jesus saves. The truth that Jesus came. The truth that Jesus can deliver you. From what? From the rat race, from this world, from this system. He can pull you from that and give you another way of focusing. Because here's the thing, saints. There will be rewards in heaven. Do not show up to heaven with an empty account. Well, I made it, but I didn't do nothing for you. I'm not going to hell, but I didn't do nothing for you. That's not what Jesus wants to see. He saved us for a reason. Don't be intimidated. You know what you need to know. Now, I'm not saying we don't need to grow in that, but we got to start somewhere. Tell the truth. Amen? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Get in your word. Learn that truth. Sit in that truth and tell your children, tell your neighbors, tell your friends about Jesus Christ. And watch the growth of that begin to bring satisfaction. Amen? I did your will today, God. I did, I did your will today. 
Jesus said, my food is to do the work of the Father. <laughs> Did he not say that? Huh? We have food that you, not, we, you don't even know of. My food is to do the Father's will. That's what Jesus said. That's what we need to do. Amen? Father, I thank you for this.